You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. For those of you planning on being married, wanting to be married one day, let me give you some really good godly advice. Look under the hood. Because if you just base the decision on outward beauty and physical attraction, you're in for a real wake-up call in life. And you need to seek and pray for and find someone that has a good biblical foundation. Perhaps one of the most interesting accounts of relationships found in the Bible is none other than Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. Not only does it go into depth about the dynamics of marriage, but it also gives us plenty of valuable lessons of what not to do. In today's message, Pastor Danny reflects on the importance of pursuing a relationship based off of godly pursuit, rather than looks or appeal. In his study, you'll learn about the blessings that follow when a relationship is built upward rather than inward. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter 10 as he continues his message, How to Avoid Divorce and More. was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. I mean, this guy's really in love. And then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her. In other words, it's been seven years. I'm ready to go on the honeymoon. And who wouldn't after seven years? Engagement. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her. Now, we're not given the details of how he pulled this off. But in that culture, they would wear veils, thick veils. So at the wedding, uh, not only the veil, but maybe it's an evening wedding. I don't know the details, but somehow he pulls off switching Leah for Rachel, and Jacob doesn't know. Until the next morning. Verse 25, when morning came, there was Leah. Imagine waking up and going, who are you? You're not the one I said I do to. Well, you said it, whether you know it was me or not. And here we are. Imagine the shock. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Now, There's more than one answer to that question. Let me give you the first answer to that question. Why have you deceived me? Because it runs in the family. Laban's just like Jacob. And Jacob's just like Laban. Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. What an out. That's not an out. 
finish this daughter's bridal week, then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Verse 30, Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. That was me for 13 years. They tell me over the years I'm transparent. I I guess it is what it is. Nobody knew but me and God. My wife told the story. I'll just say again, reminder uh, of last week. Uh, I met a girl and dated her for a period of time. My second year at Christian college, it was a very pure relationship. It was a godly relationship. And I was in love with her. And um, I thought she's the one for me. She's God's will for my life. Well, fast forward, you know, I was busy in college. And anyway, we didn't, we didn't end up staying together. And um, she ended up getting married to another guy. Uh, I didn't think he measured up to me at all. But, you know, I shouldn't have thrown, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but she ended up getting married. She got five kids, grandkids and all. So that's, you know, a done deal. Uh, but, but every relationship after that, every girl I ever was romantically inclined toward, I compared to her. Her name's Tammy. And so she was my Leah. And so I've always liked my wife and I loved my wife, but not the way I loved this girl. And nobody knew but me. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. When you really come to believe that you will never be uh, as happy as you could be in marriage unless you have them, you feed that and you'll come to a place you believe it. You know, people do it on Facebook. They'll go back and they'll get on Facebook and, and Facebook's a blessing and a curse. I don't even get on it anymore. Uh, but you know, they'll go on and they'll see the picture of the one that they had the relationship with or the one they wanted the relationship with. Now, let me give you a little good advice. Uh, the picture they have on Facebook is probably not current. <laughs> but you need to start fantasizing and you start believing, oh, if I just had them. No. No, look, it's a lie, but it's a believable lie. Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. I can't tell you how many times after a marriage retreat or conference or us sharing our testimony, my wife and I have people come up. Sometimes they'll come up together as a couple. Sometimes they'll come up and the wife will come up and say, can I talk to one of you? You know, and I'll say, Let Wendy talk to her. Or if it's a guy, I'll talk to the guy. And, and you, I, I've lost count of the times. And, and without exception, every single time we share our marriage testimony. And sometimes it's the guy who has the Tammy figure image. Sometimes it's the girl, and let's call him the Tommy, okay? But either way, they, they have this thing of some relationship that hadn't worked out or somebody that they're, they're you know, and, and they're believing that they can never be happy in the relationship they're in, the marriage they're in, unless they have the other person. I mean, without exception, we, we hear that all the time. It's a fantasy. It's a lie, but it's a believable lie. Now, let me throw this in real quick before we move on. Under three things, the Lord says, the earth trembles under four, it cannot bear up. And the third is an unloved woman who is married. And I don't know if you can appreciate the full implication of that. The foundation of society are successful, happy, godly marriages. And when you ever you don't have godly marriages, then that, that society is hurting. There's no solid foundation there. Now, let's go with the story. Please pay attention. Please pay attention to this. 
Verse 31 of Genesis 29, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Why was Rachel barren? We'll come back to that. God blesses Leah, but Leah wrongly thinks that the children now added to the marriage relationship will help solve the problems between her and her husband. Mm-mm-mm. Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. And Reuben means he has seen my misery. In other words, Leah is praying to the Lord. God opens her womb and she takes that as the blessing of the Lord, which it is, it is. But she thinks now that we have a child, God has seen my misery in being the unloved wife. And now things are going to change with my husband, but nothing changes. Verse 33, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard me, heard that I'm not loved. He gave me this one too. So she named him. Simeon. And Simeon means one who hears. In other words, now I know, Lord, the second child, now things are going to change in my relationship with my husband. But they don't. Third verse of the story, verse 34. Again, she conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So He was named Levi, which means attached. And in these days, they would name children a lot of times prophetically or in light of the circumstance they were going through. And that's what's happening here. So as time passes, and she's still the unloved spouse, verse 35, she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah which means praise. Now pause and look at me. Certainly these children are a blessing from the Lord, but Leah wrongly thinks that it's through the children that things will change with her spouse. And now after at least four years and probably more go by, and now the fourth child, and now she comes to the place where nothing has changed. She's still the unloved spouse. But now she says, my focus is going to be totally on the Lord. And she names him praise. Be a man. When you come to the place in life where everything is just the Lord now and you're not dependent on the children or any human element, even those tied to the blessing of God. And when your focus now is, Lord, I'm just going to focus on you because you're the only one that can change the situation. And at that point, That's a wonderful point because you see at that point, it's at that point that God can begin to build in you faith despite your circumstances, despite how you're treated, despite what's going on in your life. 
and you say, Lord, I'm just going to focus on you because you are the only one that can do what needs to be done here. And that's where she comes, to that place. And that's when spiritual growth, that's when spiritual growth really takes place. Now, chapter 30, I'm not going to read it. Let me tell you what chapter 30 is. Chapter 30 is a soap opera in real life. You read it on your own. Let me tell you what it is. It's Jacob in a relationship with two women, and these two women are striving and manipulating for his affection and his love. That's what chapter 30 is. And here's what happens in time. Jacob has some character flaws removed. And he comes to a place that he begins to grow. Leah is now beginning to grow in faith. And now Jacob. You see it, for example, in Genesis chapter 32. Esau, after years, is coming to meet Jacob. Jacob is scared to death. Jacob is praying. Jacob is asking the Lord, oh, Lord, you know, help me, you know. And Jacob, verse 24, in this situation is left all alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. He would be lame from this. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Well, that's the way Jacob works. No way. I'm, you make a deal with me. You bless me. And the man asked him, well, what's your name? Excellent question, huh? Heel grabber. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Now, let me tell you the significance, major significance in those two names. We know the one, Jacob, heel grabber, faithless man, manipulator, deceiver, stealing his brother's birthright when he didn't have to. God had already said, I'm going to bless you. You just trust me. And now God says, your name will no longer be called Jacob, heel grabber, manipulator, faithless, immature. But Israel, governed by God. Jacob is coming to the place in his life that now... The song says it best. The song, oh, what a great song. I surrender all. I surrender all. Lord, I'm going to stop just doing it my way and, and manipulating and all those things. Now I'm just going to trust you, which is exactly where Leah is. Because you struggled with God and with men and have overcome. What in the world does that mean? By the way, the man he's wrestling with all night is Christ. Before he became the man Jesus conceived in Mary's womb, this is Christ in the Old Testament. This is Christ wrestling with him. And at any moment, he could have half Nelson, Nelson him or whatever those moves are called, you know. I mean, he could have just pinned him. You struggled with God and with men. Where's the struggle with men? His marriage, his family, life. His brother, you've struggled with God and man and you've overcome. How did he overcome? By the Lord crippling him, crippling him. When you read Hebrews 11, Jacob is an old man. 
He's an old man. And it says, Jacob leaned, Jacob worshiped as he leaned on the stop, top of his staff. It is my belief that he's leaning on the top of his staff, not just because he's an old man. I believe from this wrestling match for the rest of his life, every step he took, he needed a crutch. And it was a reminder with every step of this encounter with God, he'll no longer be called Jacob. Now you'll begin to lean on me and trust me and mature and become a man of God. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. You need just turn a page or so to Genesis chapter 35 and verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. I'm going to suggest it was his salvation experience. It was the first time God appeared to him when he's running from his brother Esau and he appears to him and Jacob names the place Bethel. It means house of God. Go back to where you started, which interestingly enough, with the first letter in Revelation to the church of Ephesus and all the things Jesus commended them for, but he said, one thing I hold against you, you've left your first love. And you know what he said? Go back and do the things you did at first. Go back to Bethel and build an altar there. Don't have your wife build the altar. Don't have your kids build the altar. You build the altar. So Jacob said to his household, to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I've gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, which was an idolatrous thing they were doing. And Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Here's the short story of what's happened to Jacob. He's not only growing, He's not only matured, and he's not only becoming a man of faith, he becomes the spiritual leader in his home. I saw it in an illustration. I don't know who came up with it, but, but I've never forgotten it, and it comes to my mind now. I might have seen it the first time before I was even married. I think I did. Maybe it was at Christian college, and it was an illustration somebody had drawn out of two couples in marriage, a couple in marriage, and and as they were growing in the Lord, they're growing upward. And as they're growing upward, they naturally are growing toward one another. I think it's a great illustration. That's what happened to me and Wendy. And that's what happens with Jacob and Leah. It's a series, so we're just going to, in just a moment, end it today. But it doesn't mean you can't take some things away and begin to practice them. But let me take you to the end of the story. Genesis chapter 49. As Leah has come to a place where now she's not depending on anything else, not the children, not the blessings of the Lord through the children. Now she's just depending on the Lord. And Jacob, and it's interesting, and we are not told this, but I have to believe based on other scriptures that when Leah comes to the place that her focus is just on the Lord, that is when God is able to begin to use Leah to work on her husband or vice versa. I call it a wordless witness, 1 Peter chapter 3. And now Jacob is beginning to grow. 
in maturity and grow in the Lord. And the end of the story goes like this. Genesis 49, verse 29. Then Jacob gave them these instructions. I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan, which Abraham bought as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite along with the field. There, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were buried. There, Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, were buried. And there, I buried Leah, not Rachel. Now, I got enough time to give you one more point, And I hope you'll be glad I did. I have in my notes, in one of these pages of many notes, Jacob had some character flaws removed. But I also have Rachel had some character flaws revealed. Now remember, she's the one, just like my Tammy, that humanly speaking, you go, whoa, yeah. And nothing against Tammy. I don't mean it that way at all. But here, in this story, a couple of last verses, and I'll close in prayer. Genesis chapter 31, verse 19, simply says this. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. What? That's called idolatry. It's also called theft. And then you get to chapter 35 and verse 16, because... Rachel will eventually have children, at least a couple. Verse 16, then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid for you have another son. And as she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. What? You know what that means? Son of my trouble. What's happened? She's so into her circumstances and the terrible circumstances, and now it's your fault. So I'll name you son of my trouble. But his father, Jacob, said, no, 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 no. And he named him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Rachel She'd have won every beauty contest. And I'll just say it, and we'll get to it in a couple of weeks. For those of you planning on being married, wanting to be married one day, let me give you some really good godly advice. Look under the hood. Because if you just base the decision on outward beauty and physical attraction, you're in for a real wake-up call in life. And you need... To seek and pray for and find someone that has a good biblical foundation. That they really know the Lord. They don't just come to church with you. That they don't just say all the Christianese things to get you. But you know they're real. And they really know the Lord. And you get two people that really know the Lord. Very imperfect, but know the Lord. And that are growing in faith. And as they grow in the Lord... They grow toward one another. And then you have not a perfect marriage because that's called heaven. 
but you have a godly marriage and a marriage that you can absolutely be fulfilled in and enjoy every blessing that God has for you. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today, or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the Living Word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.